Roxanne is still my hero. Greg Hardy is still a zero. With the fired selections and the fired reflections, this is fighting with myself. Oh, 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 fighting with myself. Oh, 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 yeah. Well, here we are again, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast, the podcast for the average MMA fan hosted by an above average man. And I am that man. My name is Juice, and you're welcome. Now, let's get right into it, guys, because we have a lot to cover um, about this card, uh, more specifically the aftermath of it, less so than the card itself, which was, let's be honest, a bit lackluster. Um, I wanted to co- uh, go over a few things, and um, there um, is a lot that we're going to get to in the forum. You guys fucking brought it with the thoughts and opinions and questions and all that stuff. So I'm not going to cover too much in my recap, um, but I do want to um, go over just a few things. Um, I said it a lot in the lead up to this card. Um, I mean, I've been saying it for a while. You, you guys know if you listen to this podcast. Roxanne Modafferi is my favorite fighter. And a lot of people ask why. And I ask, why not? But I realize it's a bit of a, I won't say a hipster choice, but definitely a unique one. And part of me consciously does that. I don't like to have the same favorite as, as most people, but it, it goes much deeper than that. And there's a, there's a very uh, concrete reason. So I wanted to kind of just tell that little bit of uh, story of how I kind of stumbled upon her as a fighter and how I became a fan. Uh, so, I was a casual fan of MMA for a long time, and I mean like super casual, like not even really kind of, um, just like aware of it and, and not really like tuning in always. And then I, like someone at, I, on Facebook or something had posted a clip of um, the highlights from the press conference um, where Conor McGregor was like going after the whole fucking 155 division and calling Cerrone like stuck in the mud and all that stuff. I fucking like got so fired up to watch him fight. And I was like, I got to get back into this and, and know more about it. And then I started just being like, well, really, I just I, I went to watch all his fights, you know, on his UFC run up to that point, up to the Aldo fight. And um, I was fucking all in, you know, say what you want now. And, and now Connor pisses the shit out of me. But um, do that um, post fight interview when he beat Mendez when he's like, I swear to God, I done this for us. Ireland, I've done this for us. You know, I mean, it was it it, it was it was beautiful. It was passionate, and um, that that's when he was a killer back in those days when he was running that 145 pound division. Um, so I was all in once, like uh, you know, I went to the went to the bar and and watched that fight live with with a good buddy of mine, Leo, and our um, uh, girlfriends at the time, my sister. We all we'll fucking watched that when he slept Aldo in 13 seconds. We just screamed our fucking faces off. The whole entire place did. And I knew I was going to be a fan, like, you know, like of, of, of any aspect of MMA. Like, from that point, I knew it wasn't just him. I knew it wasn't just going to be, like, you know, one of those guys that just follows Connor. Like, I wanted to fucking know everything about this sport. So I started to do a deep dive, and I um, watched old fights on Fight Pass. I watched the first UFC. I watched, like, I wanted to know everything. And I watched um, the um, Ultimate Fighters. Uh, I've seen almost all of them at this point. Uh, they kind of get boring and they're a little bit the same after a certain point. But um, I don't know. I just wanted to kind of see the stories of those people. And so I stumbled across 
Roxanne's season of The Ultimate Fighter. Now, if you haven't um, watched that uh, episode, um, well, that, that season really, but more importantly her episode where she's highlighted in, I want to say it's season 18 of The Ultimate Fighter, the first women's season, coaches were Misha Tate and Ronda Rousey. It's it's a really good insight on who she is as a person and kind of her background in, in MMA. And hearing her story, I just got so pumped. Um, talking about how she was, you know, lived in Japan for years and was fighting then. And they, they cut to, you know, in that episode, a little clip from Shayna Baszler saying how when she fought Roxanne in Japan, she beat Roxanne. And after the fight, Roxy said, I hope beating me gives your name the notoriety that you need to get a push. Dude, how fucking nice is that? She wanted to build up her opponent in defeat. I mean, she was she was just saying, I hope beating me makes you become a star. Like, how, how, how do we not all want to aspire to be like that? And even Jennifer Maya, who she just lost to and missed weight like a fucking unprofessional, which we're going to get to. Um... When Jennifer Maya first got signed to the UFC after Roxanne was already back in, she made a whole post that said, Guys, my former um, opponent Jennifer Maya is fighting this weekend. She's fighting Liz Carmouche. She's really good. Tune in to watch. I mean, she was just so, like, I don't know, supportive. And um, it's fucking awesome. But let me tell you the moment I realized that um, Roxanne was my favorite fighter and why. And... Before I say that, I have to say something that's going to seem unrelated and arbitrary, but trust me, it relates. And I have to, and, and that is that I have to say um, who my favorite superhero is. Um, and I don't care if you don't like superheroes; that, that that doesn't fucking matter to me. This is relevant. Um, my favorite superhero is Spider-Man, and that is because uh, all the other you know, uh, Marvel characters and fucking DC, especially like Superman, Batman. It's all dudes who have it figured out like in their um, regular lives. Bruce Wayne is a fucking billionaire. Clark Kent uh, gets the girl. He's a fucking, uh, you know, journalist and he's like good looking as shit. Peter Parker is a regular nerdy ass kid and he has problems in his everyday life. He has bullies and, and he, I don't know, he just, he was a regular kid, and, and, and it's something you identify with. And when I was watching Roxanne on The Ultimate Fighter, it just fucking clicked. It made me realize that combat sports are about identity. It's about showing who you are and um, being the best version of yourself. And Roxanne gets that. And when I saw her fighting, I said, this is someone that, like, no one before I was watching other... Uh, other fighters, no one really looked like me. No one acted like me. No one thought the things that I think. Roxanne was talking about how she watched uh, Dragon Ball Z as a kid and that, that made her want to train martial arts. Dude, that was me. And so as soon as I saw that, I'm like, that's it. She's my favorite fighter. That's it. No, I'm not looking back. And I haven't looked back. So when she fights, I get super emotional, as you can probably hear my voice already. I get nervous as shit. I was about to throw up during that Maya fight, man. I was fucking, <laughs> I was in a bad way. And um, like when she wins, I feel like I win. When she loses, I feel like I lose, you know? 
so she's just someone that I'm always going to be invested in. So don't question it anymore. Uh, don't fucking... If one more person tells me she's unathletic, I'm going to lose my shit, dude. People were saying, oh, yeah, that's what she's going to take when she was unathletic. Yeah, fine. That's a f- And that's what I like about her. I don't care that she's unathletic. I'm unathletic. Like, fuck anyone that wants to just be an athlete. Fuck anyone that's out there lifting and fucking, I don't know, trying to run sprints. Dude. Yeah, she has glasses as well. You want to say more facts about her? Yeah, she's unathletic. She wears glasses. I mean, these are all things that are just facts, and I and I don't care. Obviously, I'm rambling at this point, and you guys have probably turned off, so that's fine. But getting back to reality with how the fight went, um, it was obviously not her night, but uh, she was trying to get a finish. You know, say what you will about Roxanne, she does not try and point fight, in my opinion. She is not trying trying to... I don't know, win, win rounds and, and whatever. She's trying to get inside, get the takedown so she can get a submission. She is trying to land elbows from the top and get some good ground and pound. And she is trying to get a submission. And Jennifer Maya knew that. And that's why she was disengaging. And that's why she was like not letting her take her down. And credit to Maya. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from her. She did great. But, uh, you know, out of all the fights on that card, which by the way was terrible, uh, Roxanne was going for a finish, and I don't think, and, and and I don't think Maya was. I think I think she was just defending for the most part, and then also landing better strikes. Again, she she dominated her. Uh, you know that's fine, but I I don't think Maya was actually going for a finish. I think she was more Leon Edwardsing her. How do you like that? Man, so many people have already turned off. Why do I even keep continuing? Um, getting into the main card though. How about Andre Arlovsky turning back the clock, man? Whoa, I mean, was it? I feel like it was 2009 or, or whenever it was when they first fought because, you know, when they first fought, Ben was kind of green. And I thought, okay, Ben has been looking good. Arlovsky has been on a little bit of a decline. I mean, he had a rejuvenation since moving to um, American Top Team. And I think those guys deserve, deserve a lot of credit for what they did for his game. But uh, he has looked a little bit sort of slower and quite frankly, a little chinny in, in, in recent bouts. But he put it on Ben Rothwell, man. He was hitting him with the fucking kitchen sink. He was landing front leg hook kicks. He was landing spinning back fists. I mean, it was, like, it was like the first round. Well, I think it ended in the first round. But it, but it was like his fight with Travis Brown, but just one that went the distance. I mean, that was probably one of the favorite, my favorite fights of that night. Just awesome to see. And Ben Rothwell, man... Um, I like him, but dude, you can't take out Arlovsky. What you doing? And he's another guy who we talked about Chad Bendis last week. I mean, he's another guy who sat on the shelf for two years because of USADA. And I don't even know the ins and outs of his situation. Maybe he did actually take steroids, but I remember him making a statement when it happened, like this is bullshit kind of thing. So, um, but then he also went quiet. So. You know, you really all you can do is speculate when people when people don't share their mind. Um, Alex Hernandez versus Francisco Trinaldo. This, in my opinion, was another like fighting to not lose kind of a fight. 
uh, at least on the part of Alex Hernandez. I think Trinaldo might have been trying to finish him or at least push the action, but Alex Hernandez was, was content to just sort of backpedal and counter, which won him the fight. So, you know, win, uh, wins are important in the UFC. And man, Dan the Hangman Hooker decapitating James Vick. God bless you, Dan. And I feel bad because <laughs> James Vick is... Um, one of my wife's favorite fighters like she could she couldn't sit through most of the card she was like i gotta fucking go upstairs and just watch the resident i can't do this call me when james vick is fighting so she came down for james vick and he gets ko'd in like three minutes i think it was like two minutes 33 seconds something like that um man uh but i got a text from my uh best friend leo he was like dan hooker dude dan uh, leo loves dan hooker so that was uh that was good for me to see. It sucks because like again my wife loves James Vick, best friend loves Dan Hooker, so I knew at least someone was gonna be happy. And I'll tell you something that did not make me happy was Greg Hardy versus Juan Adams. And I don't want to give this fight too much of a platform, and we're gonna get to it in the listener questions a lot in the forum. Uh, and I uh, I thought Juan Adams um, could give Greg Hardy some problems. He has a legit um, collegiate wrestling background. He also played football as well. He's a massive dude. He's been the biggest opponent that uh, Greg Hardy has ever faced. Even the the um, the journalists, uh, you know, uh, Aaron Bronsetter, Eric Hawani, everyone was noting that they both weighed in at 266, which is the heavyweight limit plus the pound allowance. And they said, you know, in recent memory, um, not a lot of heavyweight fights have done that, you know, if ever. Um, a lot of them, you know, they weigh in like 250. You know, one person can weigh in 265, but it's rare that you see both of them have to make that massive cut. And uh, credit credit to, to Greg, he fucking hit him with some bombs. And uh, it looked like to me that Juan just sort of slipped on that takedown. And I think, the, I mean, the stoppage, in my opinion, could have even been a little late. You, you could make that case. I don't think it was a bad stoppage. I know Juan was protesting it, but he wasn't moving. Uh, you know, like defending himself, in my opinion, he was just kind of latching onto that single. And Dan, Big Dan, gave him every opportunity. Shouts to Big Dan, uh, Atlantic Highland Zone. It's like he lives like five minutes from my house. Um, but man, I uh, I hope they give Greg Hardy a push because he needs to stop fighting these cans. He needs to he needs to be fighting the kind of competition that can actually take him out, in my opinion. So we'll see if the UFC even does anything about that. Uh, the only other, like, exciting fight of the night, and it wasn't really a fight, it was really an, an exciting moment, was Walt Harris KOing uh, Alexei Olenek in 12 seconds. Man, I mean, we'll never know, but I think... Like, they were originally matched up before Olenek took that um, short-notice uh, um, replacement to fight over him. And we'll never know if this fight would have gone differently if they had just been booked as scheduled, you know, for their original fight. Because I think Walt Harris got better for that camp. Uh, you know, obviously he, he beat the brakes off of Sergei Spivak. And then Alexei suffered a—I mean, it was a TKO, but, you know— uh, Overeem had hit him with some nasty knees in in the in the clinch, and then some some brutal ground and pound. So Alexi kind of had like two back to back KOs. So I'm just trying to make the case that he probably was a little more susceptible to that knockout because of the Overeem fight. 
But, but that, that's not to take anything away from Walt Harris. The man can fucking bang. He's got dynamite in his hands. And now I sound like a cookie cutter, so that's fine. Uh, and then RDA versus Leon Edwards. Man, here's the thing. Is Leon Edwards boring as shit? Yes. Is he winning? Yes. And that's important. Uh, the UFC can cut you off a loss. And his last loss was to Kamara Usman, who's a champion, which is something you can say is like, look, he only loses to champions kind of thing, or at least his last loss was to the champion. So it, it makes it look better, but also that makes it hard for a case for him to get a title shot. And we've seen people lose to the champ and then go and kind of get a rematch. We've seen that happen. Um, but the way that division is just so uh, stacked and kind of crowded, it's not likely that we're going to see him get that title shot. And I actually have an answer, uh, which we'll get to, in the forum. So I want to kind of save that. But I guess those are my thoughts on the card. And and here's the thing. I saw some people on Twitter kind of trying to be the lone voice, saying, guys, this card was actually good. I enjoyed myself. And again, I'll be honest. I was in a bad fucking mood all night because of that Roxy fight. So that was part of it. But everyone else I saw was was not loving these uh, these fights. So I, I kind of feel like I wasn't entirely alone. They just weren't the best. And this is another thing that I think is is okay to say. Because there was a time when I, I used to just, you know, I want to big up the product and say, you know, we're, we're grateful to have these UFC fights. We're, we're great. Uh, you know, these men and women put their health on the line for us. You know, they don't have to give it their all. But fuck that, dude. We got to be vocal as consumers. Otherwise, it's not going to change. Because right now, we're just inundated with so many cards. Like, in my opinion, when the UFC takes a break of like a couple weeks, we get even better fight cards. Like, I want to say it was right after the um, uh, the Rochester card back in May that they took a break, and then the card that they returned with was awesome. So when, when they have the time to spread out their talent more, we get awesome fights, and it shows. And, like, I think we were kind of due for a card like this because we had, uh, what was it, uh, UFC Minneapolis we had UFC Greenville, we had UFC Sacramento, and two, like we had all these bangers right in a row, and we were kind of like due for uh, a bit of a lackluster card, in my opinion. Not to say that there weren't great moments. I, again, I mentioned Dan Hooker um, decapitating James Vick, Walt Harris probably retiring Alexi Olenek. I mean, we'll see. Uh, there were some awesome moments, but it wasn't it wasn't like anything to write home about. I wouldn't, you know. To, to to try and bring someone to the sport who's a casual fan, I wouldn't say, you know, you should really check out uh, UFC San Antonio. Boy, those were great. I mean, I would maybe show them moments. The Arlovsky fight, again, was, was killer. But as a whole, the card gets maybe a C-plus for me. That's my opinion. Feel free to disagree. And with that, I guess we'll take a quick break. And move into some current events. And we're back getting into some current events, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, first thing I wanted to talk about was this just happened last night. Um, another one of those uh, little sneak peek, if you will, preview uh, little clips of that um, Daniel Cormier show detail. And they showed the Connor episode. And they showed uh, 
the mistakes that DC thinks he made against uh, Max Holloway. And this was interesting to me. So when that uh, one with Amanda Nunes first came out, I didn't mind it. I kind of I kind of thought it was cool. It was good to see DC getting his, you know, getting his due, doing his thing. And um, I mean, I'm all for DC having a career in the sport post retirement because uh, we need him, in my opinion. But um, everyone on MMA Twitter was trashing it and saying it was like monotone and it needed music. I mean, I kind of liked that. But this Connor episode, man, I wasn't I wasn't that into it, and not because I I am like a fucking Connor apologist or like a dick writer or whatever. Like I could give a shit at this point, but uh, I just like I don't want to see DC breaking down striking at this point anymore. Like I want to see him breaking down wrestling heavy fights that is dc's bread and butter he's uh you know was an olympic um he was on the freestyle team for for the olympics in 2008 obviously we know his wrestling credentials and i want to see him break down like maybe his fight with dan henderson or um i don't know just something with more wrestling transitions and i don't want to see him criticize connor i'm waiting for connor to go in on him to be honest with you I'm waiting for him to just drag him through the fucking uh, mud on this. And uh, I'm here for that. I'm here for Connor versus DC because I want to see what DC fires back with, dude. That would be amazing. I'll tell you what's not amazing. Abel Trujillo being brought up on felony charges of sexual exploitation, which is defined as, I mean, loosely... Loosely, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing the definition here is loosely defined as um, having like possession of or distributing child pornography. And of course, if you don't know, he has a history of domestic violence and another laundry, a whole laundry list of things. And it's just like, man, what the fuck are we doing here? Why can't we have a sport where our athletes can keep their fucking dicks in their pants, can keep their hands off their wives. Why can't we have that? I mean, week after week after week, these stories are coming out, and it's like, can I believe just that for once that that someone's not a piece of shit? I mean, what's next? Are you going to tell me that Wonder Boy beats his wife? I mean, dude, if that comes out, I'll fucking... I'm quitting. <laughs> I'm quitting. And now, But thank God for, for guys like Wonder Boy. We need him. But dude, Abel Trujillo, first of all, if you've seen the mugshot, he looks like, uh, and I always thought he was weird looking when he was in the UFC, but the mugshot makes him look like Jeremy Meeks, I believe his name is, that guy that was uh, in prison that they called the sexy guy, and I think he got out and got a modeling career. Oh my God, like, he's the kind of guy you want to keep far away from minors. He, he, they should ship him to an island where there's nothing but uh, nothing but dudes who miss their families and want to beat people like that up and put it on pay-per-view so we can watch. I guess I don't have much else to say about that other than it's just fucking shameful. And I guess, you know, I, I was listening to uh, Michael Bisping's take on this because he said, you know, uh, we don't... I, I, I guess... Some of it is alleged, so 
we kind of don't want to go too hard on them for for the moment and i know when it comes to you know sex offender charges there is a fine line where the way the law is structured in certain states, you could be considered a sex offender just for, you know, getting yourself in a bad situation. You know, my brother had a friend who was 19 at the time, was dating like a 17-year-old or something, which is only two years apart, but in that county or in that state or whatever, under 18 is a minor. I mean, sometimes the the fucking um, age of consent is 16, so that's different, but I think in this it was 18. And so they were fine, and then they broke up, and um, she decided to get back at him and told her parents that it w- was not consensual or whatever, and so that guy has to be a registered sex offender for the rest of his life. So there are certain scenarios where it's like someone got a raw deal, but in this case, I don't fucking think it is, man. It looks like he's just a piece of shit. So uh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Week after week, these stories keep coming out. I mean, can someone just make it all go away? <laughs> I don't know what to do about it, man. It's just, it's just awful. But something that is positive that I do want to talk about is uh, Tiago Santos having successful surgery. Because when that story came out right after his fight with John Jones that said, oh, looks like he tore his ACL, PCL, MCL, and meniscus. And it was like, whoa, like every fucking ligament in the knee is just gone. I'm like, dude, he's not going to have a fucking fighting career anymore. But from all reports, from from looking at this uh, report that um, he came out of surgery, they said that the doctor said everything is fixed. He just has to go through, you know, a longer period of rehab, which could be good for him. I mean, he's still young. I think he can you know, take this time to recover. You know, he just gave John Jones arguably the toughest fight of his career, you know, um, aside from the first Gustafson fight. But I think Thiago Santos is not done, which is very good news for the division because it needs new blood. You know, later on down the line, I would love to see Thiago Santos versus Johnny Walker. That's a fun-ass fight. Thiago Santos versus uh, Alexander Rakic, also a fun fight. So there's there's a lot of fun fights for him that we could see once he comes back. And that's great news because I honestly was like, you know, after hearing John Jones, that John Jones like tore apart his knee in that fight with those little oblique kicks or whatever, um, I I thought he was done. So good for Chago Santos, man. And this um, this is kind of a good segue into talking about some matchups because I don't really have any more news. But this is not a fucking 100% matchup. It's more of a rumor at this point. I guess, and that is Brian Ortega versus Korean Zombie in Mexico City. And as Phil the MMA dude put it, sack up, Brian. Accept the fight. And I and I put out that maybe it's his manager Ed Soros, Suarez, Soros. I I have no idea how to pronounce it. Um, but I mean, someone's to blame in that team, you know. Whether it's wanting more money or not liking the venue or the time frame or whatever. We need to see that fight, dude. We need to see Brian Ortega versus Korean Zombie. I don't care what it takes. We gotta make we gotta get that fight. And we gotta get Zabit versus Yair. What are these matchmakers doing? Do I have to beckon do I have to book a trip to Vegas? Do I have to go knock on Dana White's door and say, Hey, you need to hire me? We gotta get this division back on track. Because there is a lot of cleanup that needs to be done. So yeah, Brian Ortega versus Korean Zombie. Let's book it. Do what we got to do. If the fans are clamoring for it enough, 
they'll make that fight. If they see all of us on Twitter yapping away about it, they're going to eventually give in and throw them enough money or whatever they need to do to book that fight. So let's keep talking about this because we need to see that fight. Now, something else we need to see, which is, I believe this is booked. I believe it's confirmed. Um, Fedor versus Rampage in Japan, December 29th. And this was kind of interesting to me because Scott Coker came out on Ariel Hawani's show and he... Uh, He said that they were trying to do a card in Japan at the end of the year, and he wasn't sure whether it was going to be a co-promote, whether it's going to be you know, just a Bellator show, or whether he's going to borrow some, some fighters from Ryzen. But it's looking like for sure something's going to happen because Fedor, while he's Russian and Rampage is American, they both got their start in Japan, so they are huge in that market. And that is a massive, massive fight for them. And, dude, I'm in. And it's interesting to me because... Rampage had said at one point that um, he didn't want to fight Fedor because he, he considers Fedor a friend. You know, he said that whenever they're, um, you know, together, he makes him laugh, even though he thinks that Fedor might not be able to 100% understand him. He said he makes him laugh. But fuck it, I'm, I'm in for it. After, uh, after the Rampage's last fight, I want to see him, I want to see him get a nice win. So this, this will be good for him. And, and, uh, Fedor is one of those guys that you have to force out of, of MMA. He's not going to go quietly. He already retired at one point and tried to be an ambassador for Russian MMA. He was on the on the board, I think, or on the commission, something like that. He talked about it, but it's a conflict of interest. You can't also be a fighter. So he left that job to come back to fighting. And if you, unless unless you force him out with a couple bad KOs, he's not leaving. So that's what we need to do, unfortunately. Sucks to see your heroes get KO'd, but that's what it is. Speaking of someone that's going to get KO'd, Cowboy vs. Justin Gaethje to headline UFC Vancouver September 14th. And I am so glad they got this one done. Man, Justin Gaethje has been needing a fight for a while. We haven't seen him since he beat the brakes off Edson Barbosa. And uh, Cowboy obviously... Wants to get back in there after uh, after that bad loss to Tony Ferguson. Well, I say bad loss. I mean, he didn't get, like, destroyed. But I'm saying it was bad. I mean, bad for him. He was on momentum. He was on a nice streak. So uh, this is another one where I'm so glad they got it done just just for, uh, for us fight fans. This is another one where the violence gods are blessing us. Dude, Gaethje versus Cowboy. I... <laughs> I've already been going back and forth on this since they announced it, and I can't decide who I think is going to win. Because Cowboy can just figure motherfuckers out, especially guys with a pressure style like Gaethje. Uh, he did it to Alex Hernandez. He did it to Ally Quinta. And man. But Justin Gaethje is just such a different breed, dude. He just He just doesn't give a fuck. He'll beat the shit out of your leg with leg kicks. He will get in your face. And he just won't go away. I'm leaning towards Gaethje at the moment. But man. Dad Cerrone. Fuck. It's, it's, such a, it's such a tough matchup. And that's what I love about it. When you have a fight where it feels like it's a coin toss. And you can't say for sure who you think's going to win. Even if you, even if you're listening to this and you think, oh, obviously Cowboy's gonna win. Come on, because you might be a big ass Cowboy fan. 
You can't tell me that Justin Gaethje is not going to give him a hard time. That is going to be a banger. But anyway, I'm rambling. You guys know I tend to do this. Hopefully you can forgive me. And without further ado, we're going to get to my favorite segment, the most lengthy segment of this program, The Forum. All right, let's kick things off the right way, the only way to start The Forum, and that is with the voice questions. You get to hear voices from MMA Twitter uh, share their thoughts and opinions on the fights. And uh, without further ado, let's take it away to an old favorite of the program. Juice, baby, I'm real disappointed, man. I listened to that whole last podcast, baby. Come on now. You already know, baby. Come on. And I was expecting to hear my favorite part of the whole podcast, baby, when PTD makes his appearance. Man, come on, this your boy Cooter, Bob, Joe, Boudreaux, Gibson, son. All right, now, I'm tired of the bullshit, Mr. Deuce. All right, I'm going to need some more PTD. Anytime you get him, and I know he sent you a voice message for a very good friend, okay? So we need some explanations, okay? And second all, we just had some breaking news that Justin Gaethje going to be fighting down Trump. Who's going to look more drunk after this one? Because it's going to be Cooter Bob. You know the answer, baby. Come on now. Cooter Bob, Joe Boudreaux. Forgive me. But I don't think you heard the whole last episode. We're not talking about the addendum. We're talking about the one before. PTD Radio did make an appearance on that one, and it was amazing. Oh my god, this is my fucking, this is one of my favorite uh, guests, um, if you will. Not really a guest, but uh, dude, Patrick Shaheen is the fucking man. You guys gotta go check out his podcast with Cole Henry. It's called The MMA Scope, and I can remember... (laughs) The day that I first found out about this podcast, I was looking at the analytics for mine and uh, seeing that a bunch of states from across the U.S. had not uh, listened yet, but a bunch of them had that I didn't expect. And I, I did not see anyone from Louisiana. And there was there was a there's a couple uh, prominent uh, accounts on MMA Twitter that are from Louisiana. And I just sort of put out this tweet that said, uh, "I will not stop until we get all the states on board." I'm looking at you, Louisiana. And Cole Henry jumped on and said, I'm from Louisiana. What you got? And he said he listened to the podcast. So I checked out his podcast. And I was in from the very first second I heard that these guys, their chemistry is awesome. So you guys should check it out. Uh, to answer your question, we already talked a little bit about it. But who do I think is going to be more drunk? Or at least look drunk? You got to go with day drinking Don. I mean, dude, I know he's... Uh, you know, discipline now, and he's Dad Cerrone, but he's still got that Budweiser sponsorship. You can't tell me he doesn't you know, have a few beers just before he gets in the cage. You can't tell me that. I mean, you can, but I won't believe you. Awesome. Awesome question. Keep him coming. You're the man, PTD. Um, and here we go with another favorite, uh, favorite of the program. You can probably guess by the uh, title I'm about to read, but the title of this uh, message says, Winning G's and Day Drinking in AC, which, for you non-Jersey people, is Atlantic City. What it look like fucking with myself? It's your boy, Gangas. We're repping AC today. And all the day drinkers out there, I salute you. 
Now you, I'm asking you what you think about Lee and Askren. If they were to fight, who you think gonna win that one and why? What's your boy know? Great question, Genghis. You're the fucking man. I love whenever you call in. Uh, it's just the energy is, is so great. And dude, I agree. If you're out there day drinking, I salute you. As long as it doesn't get in the way of your family or, or work life, I salute you. You don't have to wait till the night. It's beer o'clock, baby. God damn. Okay, Lee versus Askren. I've been thinking about this ever since last week when you first posed it. And we got to make this fight. I, I, I don't care. We got to make this fight, dude. Lee versus Askren. They're, they're both the kind of people that won't shut up about their skills. And even when they lose, they're saying, well, I'm still the best in the world. I mean, people like that, you got to put them together. They both won't shy away from the trash talk, but they're both humble in victory or defeat. So I just think it's an awesome matchup. And personally, I think Kevin Lee can take it. And I'm not like a big Kevin Lee fan, so it's, there's not a lot of bias there. Um, I am an Askren fan. I do like him. You know, I, I like them both. But uh, um, Askren's obviously his biggest asset is his wrestling. And Kevin Lee does not really get taken down, dude. Um, he's the one taking people down. Um, so I just think that makes it a fun fight in that regard. Um, he's got more tools. Uh, he works on his striking a lot with, I believe, Dewey Cooper, uh, the uh, Cobra striking system guy or whatever with the dreads. Fucking awesome striking coach. And um, I love it. I love everything about it. Um, they both need a win. And again, I mentioned last week, they're both down to do 165, which is another thing we got to make happen. I will not stop talking about the 165-pound division. We need to make it happen. I don't care if Dana says no. We got to make it happen. We got to get with the schmo. We got to get with the schmo. Dude, I was talking to Buddy uh, from MMA Marks, who you're going to hear from in a second. Um, but he was talking about how uh, he thinks that the schmo may be secretly working for the UFC and that he was hired by Dana to um, secretly be talking about the 165 bound division, pretending to be a journalist, and then they're going to make the inaugural fight at 165 between the schmo versus cm punk can you just imagine that can you just take that in for a second i buy it i mean i don't know about i buy the fight but i buy that as a theory shit yeah kevin lee versus ben Askren. make that fight the ufc make that fight we got to do it all right this is great this is another question from uh, one of the boys from jersey and uh take it away What's up, Juice? This is the punk rock dad. Um, first off, fuck Greg Hardy. Um, yes. I'm, I'm sick of it already. Like, I really am. Preach. Uh, I'm not in love with the stoppage, but, you know, like they said, you got to do something. And Juan just kind of grabbed on that single and just stuck there. But uh, I guess, you know, what do you think they're going to do next with this fucking train wreck? Because um, they're obviously going to keep pushing him. Do you think they're going to feed him a legitimate contender or they're gonna throw him another bum not saying Juan is a bum obviously but they were giving him bums before uh he got Adams so yeah just how do you think they uh they handle this fucking train wreck from here out to the next fight because it's ridiculous all right man rock on thank you again you guys gotta follow this guy on twitter one of the best follows on him on my Twitter, AJ the Giant's dad. Um, post videos and uh, pictures of his son, the champ. Um, really 
Really love seeing those. It brightens my day every time I see them. An awesome question. And I've been avoiding this. I've been dancing around it because I don't want to talk about this guy. But here's the thing. After this fight, it's it become very clear to me that he's not going away. Greg Hardy is here to stay. And we have to just deal with it. And we have to talk about what's next for him, even if we don't want to. Which sucks. So here's the thing. And I've been thinking about this because, you know, if it was anyone else, like his past aside, someone that um, can bludgeon a man that's 300 pounds like that, and then he gets on the mic and says, taking me down has consequences. Dude, I got chills. And I was like, fuck, this guy is a piece of shit. And we're going to have to hear awesome lines like that, even though he is a piece of shit. And Cyrus brought up a great question. Uh, Cyrus King from from Twitter. You guys are going to hear from him uh, shortly. Um, Not via voice, but um, via uh, Twitter question. He is being brought up in a way that is suitable to his record. He's, what is it, 5-1 now with the one loss coming from disqualification against Alan Crowder. So he's just doing his growing up in the UFC. But again... After tonight, or last night, I should say, after San Antonio, it's become very clear that he's ready for the next tier. Juan Adams, in my opinion, was the next tier. He has legitimate wins um, on his record. He is a prospect in his own right, and um, he passed that test with flying colors, um, whatever you want to say about the stoppage. Um, So we need to give him someone like Derek Lewis, someone like Walt Harris, someone who can bang and... Maybe match him at his own game. Or someone like... No, that that guy's not in the UFC anymore. Because, the, see, the heavyweight division doesn't really have top-tier elite wrestling like the other divisions do. and um, Except for DC as the champ. So Greg Hardy's going to give a lot of that division problems. And, I, and again someone like him that they're going to market and continue to push and and just force down our throats with the promotion and putting him on main card slots, eventually they got to match that. If you're going to put him in a co-main event slot, you got to give him a co-main event fighter. You need to give him a co-main event opponent. And so I'm done I'm done with the cans. And and again, w- when you have a record like he does, you got to fight so sort of similar records or or what have you, but he's proven that he's going to just destroy those guys. So at a certain point, you got to elevate that. And I think we're at that point. So I guess let's see what's next. Here's a question from Tom Downing. And it's listed as Tom Downing. Because that's a pen name. Not a lot of people can say Zakajewski. But I just did, Tom. What's up? All right, here's the question. Yeah, just got back from a two-week holiday, which is why I didn't leave any questions uh, or interact with Twitter at all, because I didn't have access to Twitter because I was in China. However, the thing about China is that they've got a couple of good MMA fighters. So with uh, events happening with one and UFC in China... And obviously, Wei Li Zhang uh, challenging for a title, but also younger fighters like Song Yudong making their way through the ranks. What do you think the future is for Chinese MMA? 
Great question, Tom. And if you guys are at all interested in international politics, you should definitely give his podcast a listen. It's called The Absolute Bloody State of Things. He's writing a manifesto regarding a new type of government system. I believe it's called Diadaticism. Fuck, I, I had the name earlier. Um, very interesting, interesting podcast. Um, but to answer your question... Chinese MMA seems to be on the rise. And this is not something that's been on my radar. It's not something I'm really qualified to break down. So I'm not going to say, oh, well, it started really a couple of years ago with the rise of it. Like, honestly, I didn't really start to hear about um, Chinese fighters making their way to big promotions like the UFC until, um, what was that guy? The Leech? Li Jing Jingliang, I believe. His, his nickname is The Leech. Um, so he's been doing great things. Obviously, Wei Li Zhang is a fucking killer. Uh, which we're going to see how she does against Jessica Andrade. And the UFC is really investing in that with the Performance Institute in China. So I think in a couple of years, we're going to start to see more Chinese champions. Or at least contenders, at least you know Chinese people fighting for the belt. Because uh, Chinese MMA seems to be on the rise. But again, it's, it's a recent thing, so I can't uh, speak too much about it. It's just something that's just coming over um, into our neck of the woods. Uh, you know, being you know North America and in Europe, um, in the UFC and Bellator. Actually, off the top of my head, I don't really think Bellator has a lot of Chinese fighters. So it's really just sort of like they're just making their way into the UFC. So let's see. I think we're gonna have to like, you know, I think we'll know the st- the state of Chinese MMA and just how good um, these uh, these folks are um, come August, whatever, when she and when uh, Jessica Andrade defends her title against Wei Li Zhang. And I'd, I'd like to see uh, I'd like to see footage of that new performance center. Um, I'd like to see that. So um, let's pump the brakes on it, I guess. <laughs> Dude, this next question. The title says, "You must be a Luke Rockhold fan." And goddamn you, he's referring to my profile picture, which I lost a bet with this guy. No, <laughs> uh, I, I thought Roxy was gonna win. I said if Roxy lost, then I would change my profile picture to Luke Rockhold uh, for 24 hours. <laughs> And he got to pick it. Um, so take it away, buddy. Juice. It's your boy, Buddy, from MMA Marks. So, you know, we had that bet going on. I appreciate you being a man of your word. I'll give you, you know, I'll give it to you. The victory didn't feel that great because she did miss weight. But let's move past that. I got a question for you. Do you or can you separate the art from the artist like someone like R. Kelly you know you might not well you doubt most people wouldn't agree with all the things that happen outside of his art but I still listen to his music somebody like Michael Jackson same thing as you go with Greg Hardy I can separate his actions outside the octagon with what he does inside the octagon let me know Amazing question. And here's why. First of all, the comparison of, you know, music and separating the art from the artist is relevant, I think. But it's also sort of hard to do in this in this scenario, because with music, you have a lot of options and uh, not only genres, but, you know, different options within that genre. And so someone like R. Kelly, I mean, that is just indefensible, the stuff that he does. Uh, has been accused for and, and ultimately convicted of. Indefensible. Some of his music is good. Some of it's trash. But 
ultimately indefensible. And I, I like to have this kind of a rule. Um, this is interesting. Um, so I, I got this um, rule from a guy named Scott Ackerman, who um, runs a show called Comedy Bang Bang. And he says, anything that came out, like work of theirs, like songs or movies, if it's a director or whatever, um, anything that came out of theirs before the scandal hit, you can still listen to. So you can still be a fan. So just whenever you whenever you hear about it, whenever it comes to light, then moving forward, you can't be a fan, which is kind of interesting. Um, but in my opinion, when you continue to support someone like that, um, you're supporting their actions because you're monetarily supporting what they do. And that continues to give them a platform to be able to do the nasty shit they do behind the scenes. And with someone like Greg Hardy, you can't separate it, in my opinion, because his actions outside the cage are acts of violence and what he's doing inside the cage is sanctioned violence and so if he's gonna gallivant about and say i'm a changed man or i'm i'm just trying to be a better person give me a second chance first of all he's had a second chance this is probably his fifth chance if we're honest but second of all if the art or if the action is related to the crime you can't separate them. And I, I talked about it earlier with that chilling post-fight interview. The guy is here to stay, whether you like it or not. And, and I certainly do not. But we kind of have to deal with it at this point. I, again, he needs to be tested. We need to give this guy some upper echelon talent. I love what Steph Haynes said on Twitter. Steph, uh, writer for Bloody Elbow, and um, hosts a couple of podcasts for them as well. She's an awesome follow. If you don't, I think it's Crooklyn MMA. Just awesome because she kind of shares her um, food that she makes for her husband. And um, she has like her own company where she makes soaps and shit that, that's really cool. Um, I like whenever MMA Twitter kind of crosses over into other things because otherwise it's just, you know, monotony in my opinion but um she said give him inganu <laughs> he's ready for it that's what she said and um we can talk about inganu's trajectory as a separate issue you know he probably should get the winner of dc stipe but if stipe wins it's probably hard to sell that rematch and they might do a trilogy so maybe they do inganu versus hardy and i wouldn't be mad at that but i also wouldn't be mad at Derek lewis versus greg hardy given that Derek lewis has um a strong vendetta against anyone who has committed domestic violence in the past because his stepdad did that to his mom. Or maybe it was his regular dad, I'm not sure. Uh, but fuck, man. It's a very interesting question. I think, and I think it's a very valid um, topic of conversation, but I'm kind of uh, on the other side of it, um, if I'm honest. I, I, I somewhat disagree with you, but um, not in a way that I think is should, should be, you know... Dra I'm not trying to go head-to-head -head with you on this. Um, it's just something we can agree to disagree on, but I do think it's a valid point. So thank you for the question, buddy. That was um, awesome, but I'm going to disagree. <laughs> We're going to kind of continue the, the Greg Hardy theme a little bit here, uh, but this is another um, awesome uh, question here, and um, I'll let him introduce himself. What's up, Fighting With Myself podcast? It's your boy. I say dude a lot. So I guess Juan Adams wasn't the hero we all wanted tonight. So I guess I gotta ask, what's next for fucking piece of shit Greg Hardy? That's all I got. Heartbroken. 
Unfortunately, that's all I got too, man. I'm heartbroken too. Love that guy. If you don't follow I Say Dude a lot on Twitter, what are you doing? What you doing? And um, awesome uh, sort of change in uh, energy from the last uh, episode when he came in hot with that macho man style call out. But man, we've been talking about it. So um, I guess I sort of already answered your question about what's next for him. But uh, really, the answer is not uh, any one person. It's more a group of people. And that is the next echelon, if you will, of heavyweights. Um, we need to see him tested more. We need to see him against someone who can match his skills, um, match his size. Ooh, what about Lesnar? What about Brock Lesnar versus Greg Hardy? Oh, my God. I'm getting hard a little bit. That was weird. Okay. Uh, let's hear from uh, let's hear from the wee lad over across the pond in Scotland. What's happening, Juice? This is the only way is MMA. You got a quick question about this week's upcoming card. Um, how well do you think Felicia Spencer's going to do against Cyborg? Also, Max and Frankie. Yeah, I need to take Max for the win. Uh, fucking love that guy. I see Frankie putting on a lot of pressure early on. Uh, I think Max might struggle to start with. Uh, and I think he'll just overcome the adversity and get the win. Maybe in round three or four. Uh, also, the Van Buren situation. We'll try to get the follow back from her. Zilcho so far. Uh, I'm going to go back on the case again today. Try to get a follow back from Juan Adams. Uh, used a few one, two, three jokes. Uh, no such luck. And he lost, so I'm going to try and suck up now as well. Uh, I think I'm going to do a part two for this message. See you in a minute. <sighs> oh, man, I love that guy. He's always so uh, not sure about his questions. Every Sunday he'll be like, oh, Jess, I forgot to send you a weak question. Oh, I'm not sure if I have time. I'm like, dude, you have time. Just just fucking figure it out. He's like, okay, well, we'll do a weak question. And then he'll just sort of ramble like, oh, hello, Jess. Hello, MMA. Tw- uh, let, let's talk about things. Love it. Um, gotta love that guy. And as far as uh, Max versus Frankie, the fuck out of here. Frankie Edgar all day, baby. Yeah. How about that? Uh, but good luck on the follow back from Bjorn Van Buren. If you guys uh, remember from a few episodes ago, um, the only way is MMA here. Chris, um, if you will, had said that he's trying to get a follow back from Bjorn Van Buren. I believe what he said was, we've got a new mission. So good luck on that mission. I hope you succeed. Oh, and this is just a, this is really the part two he was alluding to. That was just a little uh, little tribute, little ode to Smokey J, old friend of the program. Have not heard from him recently. Where are you at, Smokey? You're blowing up now with all those uh, bad drawings, and you, you've forgotten the people who, who really care about you, the people who were there first. I'm only kidding. I love you. Uh, but yeah, man, Smokey J, I miss that, I miss that bong rip. I miss that um, Australian dialect. Let's get, let's get it back. And without further ado, we got to move on to some... 
other questions. And I love I love this next series of questions because it, it really it's it's just you guys joining the conversation, keeping that forum going on on Twitter and, and sending me messages. Keep doing that. It's awesome. And the first question comes from um, at G from State Farm. Man, G is one of the one of the OGs of MMA Twitter. She is a must follow in my opinion. And don't worry if uh, you get a little triggered by one of her tweets. She's gonna tweet something funny in the next ten minutes, or she's gonna go completely the other way maybe the next day. So so don't pump the brakes just just uh, just yet uh, on her. She's she's fucking awesome. And she says she has a very good question actually. Um, and by the way, I love her uh, her podcast with uh, Michael Morgan. Shout shout out to Wocast. Um, I, lo- I just love the intro because he's like. Hello, I'm Michael Morgan, and welcome to the Worldcast. I'm joined as always by G from State Farm. G, what's on your mind? And then she'll be like, well, Michael, why are the Brits trash? <laughs> love that rivalry, man. I love it. Keep it going. And she says, do you find Conor McGregor's hiatus from fighting suspicious? Do you think legal issues, personal problems, or possible drug addiction all the rumors about his lifestyle, are playing a role in his hiatus from MMA. And this, in my opinion, is a very interesting question. So um, if you guys don't know, if you guys don't listen to her show, recently um, they had um, Connor's friend and training partner, King Cowley, on there. Um, he They sort of mentioned the bus incident, and they mentioned the uh, legal trouble he's going through, and he kind of skirted around it. So it's I don't think it's quite done. I don't think we've heard the last of that incident um and I think that could be um playing a role here but as far as his eyes being suspicious I don't know if I would call it suspicious because what is weird is that he made a tweet a while ago which I talked about in this podcast that he was retired he said uh I've decided to retire you know this is after the Khabib fight and it was the timing of it was just I was just like who who really believes that but it seemed like it was sort of at least going to be a thing. And then he started tweeting after every single performance. Oh, I'll fight you, cowboy. Or I'll, I'll fight you, Justin. I mean, the guy wouldn't shut up for, for a while. And now, crickets. We haven't heard anything from Connor as of late. And while I don't think it's suspicious, um, I do think all those things you said could be coming into play. I think he's for sure waiting to see how... Um, the Habib versus uh, Poirier fight plays out because Dana Dana did say I think it was to TMZ that he is not going to get the winner of that fight regardless. But he did th- say that whoever wins could kind of shake up the division, and um, you know, we all know Dana has been known to go back on his word. And if Poirier wins, which I believe he can, I'm not predicting he will. I'm not going to say like oh he's going to knock out Khabib, but I'm just saying you know you guys should give him more of a chance than most people are giving him. And I think if Dustin wins, uh, Connor is going to is going to call him out and probably get that fight. So who knows, man? Who knows? But great question, G. Um, you're the shit. Uh, I love uh, interacting with you on Twitter and I love your podcast. So thanks for sending in that question. I thought it was awesome. And uh, this next question comes from Punk Rock Dad, a.k.a. AJ the Giants Dad. We talked about him earlier. Got to follow him. It's a must. And he says, with the way the welterweight division is shaping up, do you think we possibly see... Leon versus Masvidal. And if that's the case, who does Camaro make his first defense against? Everyone else seems to be tied up at the moment. And I have an answer for you guys. Do we see Leon versus Masvidal? No. I think Masvidal will get the shot against Camaro. 
or it could be Colby. What I think will happen, and I think I did talk about this last episode, is that um, you know whoever wins uh, versus Colby and Robbie, um, they're going to make them an offer to fight for the title. And between between that person and Mazadal, and whoever gives them the best offer is going to get that fight. And I think um, I think Mazadal has a case, and I think he will get that fight. At least that's what I'd like to see. And I was I was watching the post fight show on ESPN, and or on ESPN Plus or however you consume it, and I was noticing Leon Edwards at the desk with Tyron Woodley. And everyone's kind of forgotten about Woodley because he did not look good against Kamaru. But given his resume, I think he deserves another shot at the title soon. But it's a bit of a tough sell to put him right back in there, especially that Kamaru's also on a layoff and they're talking about other things for him. But how about Leon Edwards versus Woodley, dude? Leon Edwards, in my opinion, even though he's on an A5 win streak in the toughest uh, division in the sport, I mean, dude. Shut the hell up. But even though he is on a on a on a tough win streak, their decisions and no one is talking about him because he is boring as shit. And but but if he can beat Tyron Woodley, there's no denying him in my opinion. I mean Tyron Woodley uh, was a staple of that division for a while. He's still one of the toughest names, even though Kamaro made him look really bad. Um, he's still um, one of the best fighters in the world, and he's still a top contender. And he can make a showing against Leon Edwards, man. You think Leon Edwards is going to do that shit to Tyron Woodley that he did to RDA? Forget about it. Um, Woodley can uh, style on Leon Edwards, in my opinion, and that would be a banger of a fight, and I'm here for it. So let's book Woodley versus Edwards, and then Masvidal versus Camaro, and maybe Colby gets the winner of that. Uh, so fuck it. Actually, if, if, if Colby loses to Robbie Lawler, or, or whoever loses, I wouldn't mind seeing Leon Edwards versus the loser of that fight, Colby or Robbie. So what do you know? They seem to give... Um, Leon guys coming off a loss anyway. Speaking of Leon, great question from Phil the MMA dude. Um, if you guys listen to this podcast, you know I'll shout him out a bunch of times. He is uh, one of the staples of MMA Twitter and runs one of the best uh, podcasts out there for MMA, um, the Split Decision podcast. Great shit from him and the Fight Geek. And he says, what are your thoughts on Leon Edwards? No doubt he had a spectacular performance, but I just cannot get excited about him. He has the charisma of a fish and seems intent on point-finding his way to wins by decision over and over again. I gotta agree, Phil. I got to agree. Yes, he is making um, excellent fighters like RDA look um, like... They can't keep up with him. Yes, he is putting a nice win streak together, but he's not really styling on these guys like he should if he wants to make a statement. He has a loss to the champion. His last loss was to the champion. You you mean to tell me that um, Kamaru can't do that same shit again? He needs a statement win. He needs to also get on the mic and not call out Masvidal. Uh, we all know that uh, Masvidal pieced him up backstage. And t- to be honest with you, the way he talks about it doesn't seem like he wants that fight. He's like, yeah, it's got to happen in a street or in a cage. We've got to make it happen. I mean, if you really wanted it, you would just say, I'm, I'm going to fucking destroy him. And that's that. 
you know, give me give me that same energy that Anthony Smith has against Luke Rockhold, Leon Edwards. If you want to make me believe you, watch that clip of Anthony Smith and give me that, Leon Edwards. Come on. I'm so fired up, man. That uh, that Roxy loss, I really took it to heart, you guys. Um, moving on to Twitter, you guys are awesome on here and uh, had some great questions. Um, Rampage Fan 420 says, "What is Walt Harris's ceiling in the UFC heavyweight division?" And then um, another awesome account replied to him saying, um, "Derek Lewis." And this guy uh, that replied is. Um, at Combative Views, and the name is Unsolicited Fight Picks, which is one of my favorite names of any account on here because, to be honest, that's what all of our accounts are, Unsolicited Fight Picks. You mean to tell me that our opinions are in demand? They're not. They're completely unsolicited. And that's why that name is perfect, Unsolicited Fight Picks. I love it. I can't get enough. And he may be right. Um, Walt Harris's ceiling in the UFC heavyweight division, I can't erase from my memory when Walt Harris fought... Fabrice Overdoom. Yes, it was on short notice, literally like hours. I think he was meant to fight um, Mark Godbeer, and then they moved it because Derek Lewis like broke his back or something and had to pull out like three hours before the fight. So they moved, you know, Walt versus Fabricio, and Fabricio just styled on him. He took his back, went for the rear naked choke, didn't even try for it. As soon as Walt tried to defend, he switched to an armbar, and it was just like a spectacular display of jujitsu and I can't get that out of my mind because if you're gonna make a statement in the division if I'm honest I like to see guys that can put everything together and Walt Harris can basically kill dudes but there's gonna come a time when he's gonna run into someone who doesn't fucking back down do you think Walt Harris can handle Stipe get out of here so yeah maybe his ceiling is Derek Lewis that's a good point and then here is another awesome question from Derek Lewis's Hot Balls at Pixie Dust 26. She says, What's next for Vic? Do you think a move up a weight class would help him in any way? Yes, it would. I'm going to say it again. We need the 165 pound division, in my opinion. We need that. Guys like Vic need to stop killing their bodies. And really, it's on them. You know, I'm not saying we need to save him from himself by opening that division. You know, he can fucking move to 170, and that's fine, uh, which he should if they don't make 165, but they should make 165. Regardless of that, they should make it. Look at Michael Chiesa. Michael Chiesa has looked amazing at 170. Look at RDA after moving up to um, from 155. He put together wins against Tarek Saffoldine. Uh, Saffoldine? Tarek Safadine, Neil Magny, um, beat the brakes off Robbie Lawler. You know, RDA um, has been lo- losing to wrestlers lately, so we kind of forget. But RDA was the shit when he first moved to 170. So, yeah, Vic should move up, in my opinion. He should be um, making a run at the 170-pound title, not um, the 155-pound title. He's 6'3". I'm 6'3", and I weigh 200 pounds. Vic. What are you doing? And he's more muscular than me, so he's got to weigh more than 200 pounds, dude. He's got to weigh more than 200 pounds. Yeah. Good question, but I don't know what else to say other than, yes, he should move up. And I think it would help him because he doesn't look like he always has the best weight cuts. They said on the on the broadcast, they said he's got a, a good, um, uh, he had a, good, a better weight cut this time, but I'm not buying it. Those weight cuts take a toll on you and they don't get easier. So... He needs to do something. Now, this next com- uh, question comes from Mixed Man 
Love this account. He says, with respect to the forum, because he was having a little back and forth with Jamie, that Scottish guy, so that's why he said that, which is a good shout-out to that. He said, do you feel Leon Edwards was a bit overlooked in this fight? His clinch game is solid, and he doesn't give a fuck about DeSantis' ground game. I got this one wrong. Good point. Um, I personally wasn't overlooking him. I did pick RDA. I did think he was going to get it done, but that was more of um, indictment, or, or it was more of a celebration of RDA skills and less so of an indictment on Leon Edwards. I wasn't saying he, you know, was going to get demolished by RDA. Uh, it was more so um, I thought RDA's pressure and cardio would make a difference, but Leon Edwards proved me wrong, and. Yeah, his clinch game is solid. I'll give him that. But it isn't enough to beat the champion, in my opinion. So, yes, he was overlooked, but not um, not um, egregiously. Let's put it that way. And God bless this next question. It's from Hectic One. Um, it says, I just want to hear you rant about Jennifer Maya missing weight for 30 minutes. LOL. My question is, are you in the camp that says Leon Edwards versus RDA was boring? Are you in the camp that says Edwards fought a beautifully smart technical battle against an always dangerous RDA? Thanks, Yus. To be honest about the actual question, um, I'm, I'm a little bit of both. Because, yes, it was boring, but, yes, he did um, make it a very technical fight, and he did get a win. I mean, there was no, there was one judge that gave RDA one round. I would like to know what round that is. Uh, certainly there was one that maybe you can make a case, but I don't know what. I mean, I, I, I had just about every round for Leon Edwards. Um, but, yeah, it was boring. So, yeah, I'm kind of in the, on the fence about that, I guess. But since you asked, since you opened up the floodgates, let's talk about Jennifer Maya missing weight here. Now, is that extremely unprofessional? Yes. Was it a short-notice fight? Yeah, but not um, so that you can't make the weight. If she had at least... I want to say three weeks to a month. If you can't make weight on three weeks, change weight classes. Michael Bisping lost 30 pounds in 17 days to fight Luke Rockhold, um, which he's going to talk about in his book. If you can't make weight, move up. Move up. And move up anyway. I mean, I think one championship has it right where they're adding um, 10 pounds to each division. They're basically letting guys like fight at their natural weight or closer to it you know, so that they don't have to cut those extra 10 pounds. And the fights speak for themselves. When, when when fighters are more hydrated, they put on better performances. And yeah, I was a little salty online about her missing weight. Yeah, I said, oh, um, the reason why Roxy can't take her down is because of the missing weight. I know that was dumb. I'm not sitting here saying that's like, uh, you know, gospel. I'm not sitting here saying that's the only reason. Yeah, there's technique involved and, and strength and all that. And and four pounds doesn't make a massive difference. But it also just shows that you weren't um, willing to do everything you could to make that weight. Roxy made weight no problem. So she's already a disadvantage. And And I'm kind of in the camp that says weight cuts shouldn't happen. So, you know, situations like that, I always think they should let the other fighter know so that they can gain those pounds before the weigh-in and they weigh in at the same uh, weight. So that way, you're at an even playing field. Dude, if you're not going to make weight, just let uh, let the UFC know so they can let Roxy know so you, she can weigh in at 129. And they say it's missing weight by three pounds because of the extra allowance. In my opinion, they should forget that extra allowance when they're talking about how much she missed weight. She missed weight by four pounds. 129. The weight class is 125. That's championship weight. 
if you're going to call yourself a champion, if you're going to call yourself someone who's going to contend for the belt, you need to weigh in a championship weight. You need to be missing by four pounds. You think they're going to give you a title fight? You think Jennifer Maya is going to be fighting Shevchenko? Get out of here. Again, you probably, you guys probably already turned it off. You're like, ugh, this guy just fucking ranting. But if you, <laughs> but if you stayed, God bless you. I thank you. Um, this next question is from Ashley, the MMA nerd. Shout out her podcast. She does a great job with that. And shout out to you, uh, birthday buddy. I just found out that we have the same birthday, which is awesome, July 17th. And she says, do you like RDA's mustache? If you saw my tweet, I said, that mustache is getting me a little hard. Dude, anyone that has that weird-ass 80s porn stash, I cringe. Like when... TJ Dillashaw put out that um, fucking selfie with that mustache. I said he's putting the PED in pedophile because obviously he just popped for EPO. But when RDA rocks that mustache, God, no problem. I think it was Phil that tweeted out him carrying the fucking pumpkin spice latte with that mustache. It just made him look like a gangster. I don't know. For some reason, it works for him. It works for him. I'm loving it. I wanted him to win because of that mustache. Not only that, I don't really like Leon Edwards, to be quite frank. And then she says, who should Leon Edwards and Greg Hardy and Roxy fight next? And this is a little bit of hard, hard for me to answer, obviously, because Roxy just lost and you're asking me to talk about Roxy. But, dude, um, um, I think I already answered Leon Edwards. I think he should be fighting Tyron Woodley. I want to see that fight. Um, that would be a great one for Woodley to get back on track. And if and Leon wins, there's no denying him a title shot. Because right now, in my opinion, there is a case for denying him a title shot. There is. But if he beats Woodley, no matter how, even if it's in his boring decision way, uh, they're gonna they should give him a title shot. And if Leon and if uh, Woodley can beat Leon Edwards, then he should get his belt back, or at least you know get the rematch. And we already talked about Greg Hardy, so I'm not gonna go into that. You already know. Um, you heard me talk about him. He needs to fight the the next echelon. And as far as what's next for Roxy. <sighs> We need to get our confidence back. We need to get our confidence back. Maybe maybe a fight with uh, Paige Van Zandt or uh, Rachel Ostovich. Someone, someone that's kind of like also trying to climb the ranks. I think that would be interesting. Um, if they if they book that fight, either one of those, I want credit. You heard it here first on the Fighting With Myself podcast. Roxanne versus PVZ. Let's book it. Uh, ooh. This is a great question or a great series of questions from... Lil Uzi Horizontal at Uzi for Press. He says, Do you think we need to start a GoFundMe for some Rogaine for that bald spot on Leon's head? Maybe not a GoFundMe, because quite frankly, he can afford it, but someone needs to let him know. I mean, he's my age. Get some Rogaine, Leon. Jesus. And then he said, How much sleep did you catch in the first aid fights? Did you already know I was snoozing during those prelims? Snoozing. Terrible. And then this is a great way to end this um, question from him. He said, scale 1 to 10, how bad do you want to spit in Greg Hardy's face? I got to be honest with you. How much do I want to? It's probably a 15 out of 10. But even if he shows up in my face, I'm going to be straight up. I'm not going to spit in his face. He would kill me. I know that. So I'm not sitting here saying, you know, oh... I, I'm better than Greg Hardy. I'm not better than Greg Hardy. I mean, I'm a better person than him. That's for damn sure. But 
Um, he could probably one-handed strangle me. Like that's that's not even a that's not even a joke. That's serious. He could probably just wrap his big hands around my neck and just choke him. So that's fine. Um, at United Skem says opinions on Thanos. Now here's the deal. Thanos is a problem. He snapped his fingers and wiped away 50% of everyone we know and love. And that had to be stopped. So they went back in time, they got all the Infinity Stones, and they rectified it. And then they got everyone back, they called it the blip. So, bye Thanos. Bye. I did not have the energy to like make that interesting. I was trying to fucking have a little Thanos rant. But yeah, fuck Thanos, I guess. I'm Team Avengers. Uh, Joe Quigley, MMA, says, If Edwards wins the fight, do they make next for him? And what happens with RDA? Honestly, we talked about Leon Edwards, but to talk about RDA for a second, I don't know. He already has a loss against Colby. He already has a loss against... Uh, Robbie Lawler, so it's not like I can say, oh, give him the loser of that fight. Um, again, I'm a proponent for Woodley versus Edwards, but if they don't make it, if they, in some strange world, they make Leon versus Masvidal, let's have Woodley versus RDA, man. Fuck it. And, um, ooh, um, FinFan12 at FinFan122 says, what's next for Hardy? Uh, prison. How about that? That's sort of a weird note to end the segment, but um, there are no more questions, and I have no more answers. So, with that, we're going to get into the breakdown. Now, as far as previewing UFC 240, it's kind of a shallow pay-per-view, if I'm honest. Again, I don't think uh, that's being too critical. I don't think I'm being an asshole if I say that. They're charging for this next card, and it's not worth $60, in my opinion. But there are some fun matchups, and it's going to be a fun night of fights. So um, we're going to break it down. And when I say we, I don't mean me, because I'm not qualified to break this down. But you know who is? My good friend, friend of the podcast, Chael P. Sonnen. The bad guy. Let's hear from him. Let's hear what he has to say on UFC 240. I lied. Before we hear from Chael... We have one more question, and this is um, something that shouldn't be missed, in my opinion. This is from Cyrus King, a uh, uh, recent um, recent listener of the podcast, and just an awesome dude. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you should. He's got great opinions, um, solid engagement. It's um, at S-I-R-I-S-K-I-N-G, and he says this. He says, in your opinion... Why is Greg Hardy's development handled so much better than PVZ or Sage? They were given tougher fights. The UFC traditionally handles prospects terribly. They feed them to the Lions. But Hardy is being fed and un, un, fed an unusual amount of cans. Why the difference? And I thought this was a good question for a number of reasons, but also deserves um, a little bit of clarification. I think the main difference is that... Um, the, the talent pool in their respective divisions, they brought Sage in as a 155er, and that is historically one of the toughest divisions in, in the entire uh, sport of MMA, not just the UFC. And that's strictly because that's where a lot of normal, like, 
sized dudes are in that, you know, uh, general weight class, 155 and 170, and even like 145, those are the killers. And that's where most guys sort of um, are. So um, that's why there's just not a lot of cans out there fighting in those divisions because they're so tough. But with heavyweight, you know, everything can change with one punch. So you have a lot of guys in there who are just brawlers or just have knockout power, but they're not as technical or they're at least not well-rounded. And um, Greg, you know, false aside, is a hell of an athlete from his um, football days. And so he just got the athleticism to be able to like instinctively defend takedowns, like get his hips in the right place and sprawl and um, uncork those huge bombs. So I think they tried to do um, PVZ and, and Sage, give him a slow build, but, but the, the talent pool wasn't out there to, to just kind of feed them cans. Plus also, they were going to. Um, if you guys don't remember, um, Greg Hardy initially off the Contender Series was not given a UFC contract right away. He was given something called a developmental deal where they um, sort of basically Cyborg was on this deal actually. And um, I want to say even Yair for a little bit maybe. Um, or where they basically, um, you're under a UFC paid for contract a zufa contract but you're not in the ufc they pay you to fight for these other organizations so that you can build your record up and it's sort of like a partnership that they have with those organizations so greg actually um around he was gonna fight someone in december uh on a on a promotion called island fights in florida he was booked for that and then uh, when the ufc um, had their first show on espn the cejudo t uh tj dealership card they wanted uh, someone that was going to bring in that ESPN style audience, bring in the casual fans. And uh, Greg Hardy was their champion for that, you know, given his uh, connection to the general sports world. So it really comes down to the amount of the, not the amount, but the, well, sort of the amount, but really the type of fans that they're looking to garner with him. So um, he's just like essential to the ESPN deal. That's kind of the difference is the talent pool at the weight class and the uh, um, ESPN deal, you know, really, really wanting someone like that who is a crossover sport kind of guy, if that makes sense. So I hope I answered your question. It was a great question. And um, let's now really for real now wrap up the forum segment and we're going to get to this breakdown. What's happening, guys? This is Chael P. Sonnen, and the P stands for Analyst. What's happening? UFC 240, July 27th in Edmonton, Canada. Let's break it down. Now, opening up the main card, we have a gentleman by the name of Mark Andre, and I'm not going to even attempt to pronounce the last name. Starts with a B. Look it up. Now, he just fought a gentleman by the name of Andrew Sanchez. And that was a gritty fight. He's a tough, tough wrestler. And he's going up against a guy named Christoph Jocko, who also did a fair amount of grappling in his last contest. Now, when we talk about the punches and the kicks, all that is secondary. What I want to focus on are the intangibles. Mark Andre is coming off a loss. He wants to get that UFC win. He wants to get a UFC win under his belt. And he's going to come in hungry. And he's going to demolish Christoph Jocko, in my opinion. 
So that's what I got for the first matchup. And then when it comes to Olivier, now, the gimmick of the Canadian gangster. I'm into it. It's funny as hell. And he's facing Armand Sarukian, if that's even correct. It may not be. I'm wrong all the time. But Olivier is a phenomenal grappler. And Armand showed himself to be a grappler. So there's a good chance the grappling cancels each other out. And this contest is played out on the feet. And in that case, I give the edge to Olivier. Especially on home soil. He's Canadian. He's going to win those Canadian judges. And Jeff Neal versus Nico Price. Boy, am I looking forward to this contest. We haven't seen Nico Price in a meaningful period of time. Ever since he knocked out Randy Brown with those hammer fists from the bottom, I knew this guy was something to watch. And yes, I'm aware he fought since then. That's fine. I don't remember the guy's name. That's fine. Jeff Neal versus Nico Price is going to be a fireworks. I realize that wasn't English. Am I going to correct myself? No. I got Nico in this one. The hybrid. Very unique skill set on this young man. He's going to get it done. Now, Chris Cyborg versus Felicia Spencer. Boy, was I wrong about Felicia Spencer. I thought Megan Anderson was going to demolish her as she showed up. But is she ready for Chris Cyborg? Cyborg been kicking ass for a decade. Cyborg has been the number one pound-for-pound female fighter on the planet for years. Did you guys forget that? If Felicia Spencer can get past Chris Cyborg, I will be very impressed. So I guess I'm leaning Cyborg. What do you want from me? I haven't always got along with Brazilians in the past. You know that. And now we move on to the main event. Max Holloway versus Frank Yeager. Now Frank Yeager is my favorite fighter. And here's why. A lot of fighters won't tell you they have a favorite fighter. But if they do, you better listen. And my favorite is Frank Yeager. And here's why. I was on a card in Houston, Texas. And I was walking toward the back and this young man wanted a picture. And for some reason, I gave it to him. And I saw myself in this young man. I said, hey, you want to come back and meet the other fighters? And I stumbled into the dressing room of Frank Yeager. Didn't realize it was. I said, oh, sorry, sorry. Let me me come back. Frankie's about to defend a world title. And Frankie said, yeah, no problem. Let the kid come in. We'll take some pictures. He's about to defend a world title. And he won that night. He kicked Gray Maynard's ass. And for that reason, I'm going with the answer. So that about rounds it out. I'm going to throw it back over to Juice. Well, thank you, Chell. Thank you for that insight. Um, Basically, I just wanted to give my thoughts on 240, um, you know, matchups aside. Um, I think I alluded to this earlier in the episode. Um, it's really 
a shame that they're making us pay for this uh, card. It's not a pay-per-view worthy card in my opinion, but I'm excited for the matchups. Really excited for the main event. And I'm really excited for the Chris Cyborg fight. Um, so those are going to be awesome. But the rest of the card I could really give a shit about. And um, maybe I should be better at that. Maybe I should be getting myself excited for these cards. But at the moment, I'm just not able to find the excitement on it. Sorry, got to be honest. But I'm really looking forward to the main card in general. Like, Chris Cyborg versus Lee Spencer has title implications. Frank Max Holloway versus Frank Yeager is a title fight. But Olivier versus um, Armin Sarukian, it doesn't do anything for the division. So it's just kind of an interesting matchup. But Jeff Neal versus Nico Price, that's going to be the fucking fight of the night, in my opinion. I mean, it could also be an early knockout and one of them gets a performance of the night bonus. But um, um, I think it could be the fight of the night. So those are my thoughts on that. You guys are the shit. Um, thank you for the support. If you like this podcast... This is a bit of a rough one, and I'm sorry. But other than that, um, I think they're going to get better. And um, podcasts grow by word of mouth. So if you did enjoy it, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell Randy Gonzalez. Um, subscribe on whatever app you're listening to. Rate and review. All that good stuff helps me out. I appreciate it. Um, you can follow me on social media at FWM underscore pod. I'm on uh, Facebook and or, sorry, fuck Facebook. Fuck Facebook. I'm on Twitter and Instagram uh, at that um, that handle. And so until next time, good night and good fights. <laughs>